in here today. We know we have some traveling. We pray traveling grace for those who are traveling today. And we're just glad you're here. Uh, we're, we're glad for uh, last week. I want to just give God praise for our New Generation Church family, our events ministry, who, who um, had a we had a great ordination service, didn't we? Amen. Come on, let's give God praise for that. Amen. Had a great time in the Lord and, um, you know, just excited what God is, is doing here at NGC. So good to see you all. Amen. Praise God. Amen. 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 Let me pray for us and then we'll get right into the word today. Amen. I have to be careful with this plant here. I'd like to kind of walk in front. So y'all see me going down the stairs. I'll be all right. So y'all just pray for me. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Let's believe God today. Father, we thank you in Jesus name for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you that you're the God who never makes a mistake. We thank you, God, that our steps are ordered of you. And you delight in our way, God. We thank you, Lord, for victory that is only accomplished through receiving Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of our lives. So, Lord, we thank you that we're no longer a victim, but we're victors in Christ Jesus. Now, settle our minds, Lord. Settle our hearts to receive a rhema word from you today, God. Speak boldly, confidently, God, through me, God. We have no choice but to decrease as the Holy Spirit in this place increases. We thank you, Lord God, that we're created for purpose, that you designed us and you knew even before the foundations of the world were created, Lord, that we would be here and serving your purposes. So we love you. We thank you. We ask for forgiveness of sin, God, that any sin of omission or commission, Lord, that you would forgive us now. We love you and we bless you in Jesus name. Come on and shout amen. Amen. Go ahead and give God a praise if you don't mind. Amen. 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 Go ahead and be seated in the presence of our life changing king. We're going to uh, get it right into the word. We're going to be in Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. And while you're turning there, Luke. Um, praise God. Luke chapter 12. We'll be beginning in verse 13 here shortly. But before we do that, I want you to know how many of you know that you are valuable to God. I want to I want you to know it. If you believe that, let me see your hand. I'm, I'm valuable to God. Praise God. Amen. God loves you. God is crazy about you. And God went, if you will, to the ends of the world to ensure that your value would be known. Amen. He, he's, he's, he's paid a great price for me and for you. And when you learn about the love of, of Christ, when you learn about the love of God and how much he values you, it opens up your heart to not only be receptive to the things he's done for you, but you begin to ask the question, Lord, what can I do for you? Amen. Because of his great love. So I want, I want you to know that I want you to know that you have so much value that you're not for sale. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm not for sale. Amen. Amen. Uh, uh, sometimes people, they, they, they tell us and they say, Man, you know how much money you can get for that? You need to sell that. And then we look at them and say, not for sale. And the enemy constantly, every day that you're going to live on this earth, he's going to tempt you. He's going to get you. He's going to try to get you to sell out. And he's going to constantly come at you and he's going to say, hey, you need to sell out. 
God doesn't he doesn't love you that much. You just go ahead and sell out. And what you need to tell the enemy is I'm not for sale. Can you say that with me? Amen. Now say it like you're talking to the enemy. Why are you not for sale? The reason you're not for sale is because I'm too valuable. Now look at your neighbor. Don't don't roll your neck at him and let him know. But just let him know that, you, that in, in God's confidence that you know what I'm just too valuable. Amen. I'm too valuable. Amen. And we can say that boldly because God has played a a great price for me and for you. And there are instances in life, and I'm helping us out today, where the enemy will come in and he will want us to sell out. And notice the enemy will always come. Here it is. I'm helping somebody today at your weakest moment. He wants to come at your weakest moment because he wants to he wants you to make an exchange to give uh, you him in, in exchange for uh, what, what he says he's going to give you. It happened at the very beginning in the in the garden, in the garden uh, at, at the beginning of, of, of time, as we know it. Uh, Eve and Adam were in the garden and God gave them everything. I mean, everything. He, he just gave them a simple instruction. He says, look, you can eat of all these trees, but the only thing I don't want you to do is eat of this one tree. Amen. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. And, and 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 instead of saying that, you know what, uh, we're not for sale. So whatever you're trying to get us to do, uh, we understand that we're too valuable in the eyes of the God who, who created us. Instead of saying that, they, they had to have what the enemy thought that they needed to have. And anytime you think you need what the enemy had, wants you to have, then you lose your value. Okay, your value is, is lost. And you remember that, that they partook of the fruit, their eyes were open. And the Bible tells us something very interesting. And I always open up with this, but I like to, it, 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 it's, for some of us it's new, for some of us it's review, but for all of us it's true because Adam hid from God. The Bible says that when his eyes were open and they recognized their nakedness, he went and he hid from God. In other words, he was trying to think about that for a minute. He was trying to hide from God Amen. in God's garden. And, 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 and God found Adam and he asked him a very simple question. He says, well, Adam, what, what has happened? Uh, uh, who are you? In other words, who told you something opposite of what I told you? Who told you that you had to eat of that tree when I have all your needs provided? Who tricked you into doing that? Now, I want you to find yourself in this because sometimes we get in situations and circumstances where we actually believe we will find the answer outside of the will of God. And many of us, we have done that before. And, and, and but, but thank God for his grace and mercy that even when we fell short of what God had promised us, he redeemed us and restored us and made it as if we never did it before. That's why we're valuable. We value we're valuable in the eyes of God. And he wants to restore. Somebody say restore re to do over. We get to do things over. Thank God for that, for his grace, for his mercy and for his loving kindness. So we're not for sale. I need you to get that in your attitude today that the people are going to try to sell you out. They're going to try to get you to sell other people out. And all you need to do is tell them, hey, I'm not for sale. I'm too valuable in the eyes of God. I talked to my ladies, my young ladies for a minute. When a joker comes up to you and he promises you the, the world and he says, look, I'm going to give you this. I, you tell I'm not for sale. I'm, I'm too valuable. But I can be your man. I already got a man. What's his name? I'm glad you asked. Sit down. Let's talk about it. His name is, is Jesus. And I'm going to introduce you to him. He's the man that you need to know. 
But I think if we had more of that in our world, if we understood our value, we wouldn't sell ourselves out. You don't have to steal, cheat, uh, do, do all types of damnable things that are, 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 are not pleasing in the sight of God because you're too valuable. God will take care of you. Can I get a witness in this place? Is he taking care of you right now? Amen. He will take care of us. What about situations and circumstances that we fall in? He specializes in that. We go through all types of things, but he's the God who will bring us through every time. Somebody say every time. Every time, every time. So I want you to understand is when we talk about value, we need to understand that an object's value is determined by the price someone is willing to pay for it. The, uh, it's, it's, it's valued by the price that somebody is willing to pay for it. So if you're willing to pay a, a high price for something, then you value it. I, I, I wanted to know what, because a lot of people during this time of year, we go on Amazon, right? And we go and we purchase things and we have them delivered. But you need to understand that on Amazon, uh, there's a coin made in 18 in the 1800s, a silver coin. And if you were to purchase that coin, it goes for about nine hundred and ninety five thousand dollars on Amazon. One of the most expensive items on the Amazon website. But 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 and people would spend that amount of money in something that they think is valuable. But my question is for you. How valuable do you think you are in comparison to these material things that we tend to worship in the earth? See, when you realize the price that Jesus has paid for our freedom, we can live free without guilt or shame. Man, that's a beautiful thing. When you can live free without guilt or shame. See, the enemy knows that if he can keep you guilty for what you did several, several years ago, he can keep you bound. He can keep you frustrated. He can demean your value. He can keep rehearsing, getting you to rehearse in your head that, man, I made that mistake years ago. I'm worthless. I'm never going to turn. I'm never going to make it. I'm never going to be valuable in the eyes of anybody. And when we choose to live in that state, we don't live the best life that we can live. We begin to compromise. We begin to do things that are not pleasing in the eyes of God. And God is yelling that hey, you're valuable. Don't go down that road. You're too valuable. I've paid a price for you that nobody can ever pay for you. Somebody say too valuable. Amen. You're not for sale. You're not for sale. The world, the flesh and the devil, those are the things that we deal with, that we struggle with. But what God has placed inside of you is more valuable than anything. What happens is when we watch this now, when we confess with our mouth, we believe in our heart that, that, that Jesus is Lord and we believe that God raised him from the dead. The Bible says thou shalt be what? saved okay so we're saved here it is instantly in our spirit progressively in our soul and futuristically in our bodies so when God saved us he put a seed inside of us a seed of a, a divine nature that we did not have before and that seed it begins to grow it begins to become mature it begins to produce fruit Amen. Love, joy, peace, long suffering. It begins to produce things that we did not have before. And our value is beginning to make sense to us because we recognize the things that we would have done before we had been arrested by Christ. We don't do anymore. Amen. Anybody not doing what you used to do. Why? Because you understand that you're valuable in the eyes of God and you don't have to do those things to, to, to try to get people's uh, attention. So. That seed, it begins to produce. Just like in the natural, Jesus always used 
the agriculture example, uh, just like a, a corn seed. Inside that corn seed is not only a, a stalk and a stem, but there are other ears that produce other seeds that keeps multiplying. And that's what God has placed inside of us, the seed of the Holy Spirit, who is birthed inside of us, who speaks truth, who walks truth, who operates in truth. Thank God for the Holy Spirit today. Amen. So we're valuable. We're valuable. Once somebody was getting ready to throw us away, but God had redeemed us and restored our value because we were once lost. Man, if I could get us to understand just how valuable we are, I couldn't stop y'all from doing anything. Amen. You, the devil wouldn't be able to stop you if, if he if, the reason he's throwing all types of interferences into your life because he doesn't want you to see how valuable you are in the eyes of God. He says, I got to keep distorting them. I got to keep letting them think that they're less in. I got to keep them living something that is not true and so that they can never see their value. Amen. Now, we all love money in here, right? Oh, y'all ain't getting that. All right. That's all right. All right. About somewhere else. Y'all be like, yeah, money, money. Yeah. yeah. But the reason we like money, because regardless of what money goes through, it still has value. I had a hundred dollar bill up here and I threw it down. I stepped on it and I told you that I stepped in something before I came in here and I raised and I raised a hundred dollar bill. up. I say, who would want it? Y'all would all raise your hand. Why? Because the hundred dollar bill is still what? Valuable. Has anybody ever gone through something in here? Guess what? You're still valuable. Some of us, we have gone through divorce. Some of us have gone through death. Some of us have gone through bankruptcy. Some of us have gone through uh, uh, loss of family members, whatever it is. But guess what? All that you've been through, you're still valuable in the eyes of God. Can I get a witness in here today? Man, you got to understand your value. But, Pastor, you don't know what I went through. Well, I do know what you went through, but I do know the one who was with you when you were going through. And guess what? He's still with you. Will never leave you and will never forsake you. So when we realize the price um, Jesus paid for our freedom, we can live free from guilt and shame. Now, therefore, Romans chapter eight, verse one, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Man, I'm in Christ Jesus. So the enemy can no longer condemn me. The enemy can no longer continue to rehearse and remind me of the things I've done because I'm free and he who the sun sets free is what? Do you understand that? Valuable. You're free. Man, we're free indeed. We don't have to be bound and shackled to the things of the world because he has freed us. We can live free from the weight of our past failures. See, guilt makes you feel worthless, man. There, there are people right now, amen, and I'm not, I'm not naive to this, but, but we're, in, we're, we're guilty. And when you're guilty, you have this stigma that follows you where the enemy reminds you, yep, I told you not to do it, but you did it. Now look how everybody's looking at you. Now look how everybody's valuing you. And you walk around this, uh, you, you can potentially walk around this for the rest of your life, but you got to get to a point in life where you say, you know what, there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. I'm not entertaining this foolishness anymore. I'm a new creation in Christ. I'm a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are becoming new. We got to let them old things go. Somebody say, let them go. You got to let them go. We got to let the old things go because therefore then we can begin to live in the newness of what God wants to do in us. We can know that God is for us and with us regardless of life circumstances. Now, I love this. Go quickly. I'm still in Luke. I'll go back there. But go to Romans chapter 8. Watch this quickly. I have to remind us. Y'all know this, but 
It's a reminder. It's a refresher. Pressing the refresh button on my keyboard so we can refresh some souls in this place today. And so you can be reminded of what God says about us. But I love this verse in Romans chapter eight, verse 31. What shall we say then of these things? Here it is. If God be what? I can't hear you. If God be for us, then here's the question. Who can be what? Who can be against us? If God be for us, then who can be against us? That's a very question. Verse 32. Watch this. It says, for he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us what? Isn't that beautiful? Amen. That's a beautiful statement. Amen. He did not spare his son. Amen. Jesus loved us so much that he went to the cross and he died so that we could live life and life more abundantly. That's a beautiful thing, isn't it? Did not spare his life. In other words, he gave his life a ransom. He says, look, I'm going to give my life so that you can have life. You're that valuable to me. If you were valuable less before, you're going to be valuable now because I'm going to give you my life. Man, greater love has no man known than this, that a man lay down his life for his friend. Jesus laid it all down and he didn't do it in vain. It wasn't just done in vain. And and, 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 and it, 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 it solidified everything that needed to happen in order for us to be valuable. No longer did we have to come with the blood of bulls. And, and bullocks, we didn't have to have those sacrifices that they had in the old economy where we bringing them to the temple, getting all messy and, and, and bloody. Can y'all imagine that? We coming in here and you got the, me and the elders over there. We slaying stuff that you bring in here and saying, OK, your sins are forgiven. No, we don't have to do that anymore. It's the precious blood of Jesus, man. And it's a beautiful thing. It's paid for all our sins. And therefore, we are valuable. Say we are valuable. We are loved. We are accepted. Hebrews 10 and 4 says, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. Now, you can't. It doesn't work anymore. It's, it's a price has been paid. Jesus has come to set us free and to make all things new. Now, watch this now as, as I transition here. I, I want to talk about value in comparison to uh, material things, because that's what we're going to talk about in Luke chapter uh, 12 today. But I need you to understand this. You will never discover the meaning of life in material things. Can I say that again? You will never discover the meaning of life in material things. In other words, uh, material things should not define who you are. There's some millionaires who don't know Jesus. And we look at them here in the earth and we're, eat, we, we, we're, we're caught up in, in everything that they have. And I'm going to fix this because I don't want you to get it twisted that God doesn't want you to have things. Please don't please understand what I'm saying here. But I am saying that we can get caught up, so caught up in the things that we miss the one who's providing the things. Are you understanding what I'm saying? OK. And we lose our value as a result of that. So watch this now in, in Luke's gospel. Uh, chapter 12. That's where we are. Verse 13. Stay with me now. Watch this now. This is Jesus. And the Bible says in verse 13, it says someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said to him, man, who appointed me a judge or arbitrator over you? I love Jesus, man. He was straight. He came straight forward with him. 
you know, here's, here's, here's a, a, a young man. He, he comes up to Jesus and he says, hey, we, we got some business amongst me and my brother. And uh, I'm going to need you to judge and be the arbitrator over this. In other words, we got a money dispute. Y'all know some families with some money disputes. All right. He says, I, I, I need you, Jesus, to come and settle this fact. I love how Jesus responded. He says, man, who appointed me over what you got going? In other words, Jesus was so concerned. Watch this now about the spiritual things that he wasn't going to get entangled and caught up in the earthly things. All right. See, sometimes we can get caught up in earthly stuff and miss, miss the spiritual significance of what Christ is trying to do. We get so caught up in the earthly things that we can miss Christ. But he sets the tone. He says, I'm not an arbitrator over you. And then to further explain, watch this now. He goes further. He says, uh, uh, he said to them, beware and be on your guard against every form of greed for not even when one has an abundance, does his life consist of his possessions. That's beautiful. So he says, you know what? I want you to beware. I want you to be on guard against every form of greed. See, you're greedy, not just because you have riches. There are poor people that can be greed, have greed, too. All right. Greed is not just limited to a certain class of people. Greed is across the board. OK, greed. Watch this. Uh, uh, covetousness, desiring and wanting what somebody else have and you don't have it. It's a sad commentary when you spend your whole life wanting what somebody else has and not enjoying what God has already provided for you. You don't know how they got what they got. But we're so, you know, I mean, I, I, everything would be right in my life if I just had a few extra dollars. Really? What about the dollars you got now? You, you, you know, maybe we can do a little better with what we have. And we, we can go a little, a little further with, with, with what we have. But he says, beware and be on guard. This is from Jesus. For not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. So remember, life does not consist of stuff. Don't let possessions take your eyes off Jesus. OK, I want you to think about whatever you think is most valuable to you right now. Whatever is most valuable to you, not only monetarily, but maybe there's a relationship don't let that relationship get in the way of Jesus. It's not, it's not, wait a minute, what about, do you understand what I'm valuing, Pastor? I'm talking about my, my wife. Value my wife, and my wife values me. But what we both understand is Jesus can't get in the way of how we value one another. Love New Generation Church. Love serving as pastor here, but guess what? Jesus is first, and I hope you say the same thing. <laughs> all right? He, he's first and foremost. He's Lord of all. Amen. And it's in him we move, we live, and we have our being. So life isn't about, watch this now, what you accumulate on this side of eternity, but it's about what you accumulate in eternity. It's not about what we accumulate on this side of eternity. The man, I saw a bumper sticker years ago, the man who, has the mo who dies and has the most toys wins. Y'all seen that before, heard that before? The man who dies with the most toys wins. No, the man who dies with the most toys is dead. <laughs> okay? All right, all right. So it, it doesn't matter how much you die with, like we often say, we've never seen a U-Haul following a hearse. Okay? You're not going to see it, right? What you, what, you, what you accumulate in this earth, guess where it's going to stay when you did? In the earth. So somebody else is going to be driving that car. 
Somebody else going to be wearing that fly suit. Somebody else going to be doing what they do, and, and you can't do nothing about it. Amen. 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 They, they did uh, uh, old King Tut over there in, uh, in, in, uh, in, in Africa, man. They went to digging up that grave and, and all the things they put in his tomb. Guess where they were? Still in the tomb. Still in the tomb. Man. So don't get so caught up in the things that you accumulate in the earth that you're not willing to let go of them in order to go on. Life is a series of letting go in order to go on. Lord, I don't think I can make it without you better let go so you can go on. Somebody getting help today. (laughs) All right. So life isn't about what we accumulate on this side of eternity. It's about what we accumulate for eternity, for eternity. So notice this. So Jesus, he, 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 he dealt with that situation with those brothers. And then to go further, this is what I love about Jesus. He begins to teach us and he uses a parable. Now, you remember the parable. Parable is when we line up a natural illustration with a spiritual illustration so that the point can be clear. OK, it's a, it's a teaching. It's a short story that gets the word across so that even uh, our children can get it. In other words, Jesus is getting ready to put the cookies on the shelf where all of us can get it. Are y'all hearing me today? All right. And he told them a parable, parable saying the land of a rich man was very productive. And he began reasoning to himself. This is the rich man saying, what shall I do? Since I have no place to store my crops. Now, notice the number of eyes in these next few verses we're about to read. Verse 18. Then he said, this is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul. So you have many goods laid up for you for many years to come. Take your ease, eat, drink and be merry. Isn't that that something? So I'm I'm not I'm I'm not opposed and neither are you to talking to yourself sometimes. Right. Y'all do that. You talk to yourself sometimes. But man, when you begin to talk to I so much that all you can see is I. It's going to get complicated. Okay, it's going to get out of order just as it was here. So we got this man. And remember, there's nothing wrong. I don't think there's wrong with his nothing wrong with his ambition. He he wants to build larger barns. But guess what? He's not building them. Watch this now. He's not building them for the purpose of being a distribution center for the kingdom of God. He's building them to be a distribution center to himself. All right. So you got to be careful about the blessings of God. All of us want the blessings of God. And I think that's totally in order. But man, when you just want to be blessed to be blessed of yourself, then something's wrong with that picture. But when you pray for God to bless you so that you can bless others, you will never run out. Can I get a witness in this place? Because as it leaves your hand, it's coming right back in so that you can continually be the distribution center that God has called you to be. Somebody in here today, man, why am I always running out of money? Because you're not a distribution center. 
You're taking it and hoarding it and spending it on yourself. And God is wanting you to release it in your hand because what you let go in your hand will come back 30, 60, 100 fold according to the scriptures. All right. See, we got to get this um, stewardship right. I think the church has done a poor job, if I can be honest, about teaching on money because we've made it all about us and not about other people. You want to see some rich people? See people that are giving away more than they bring in. That's some rich people. Amen. I'm not only talking monetarily, but I'm talking about time. I'm talking about talents and uh, gifts and abilities. When we begin to do that as a church, as a whole, man, we're going to really begin to see, see the blessings of God. Somebody says that we are valuable in the eyes of God. See, when you understand that you're valuable, man, you understand that you'll never run out. You know, man, we've had some uh, tight circumstances where, you know, uh, man, do we going to have enough to do what we need to do? Anybody ever been there before? Man, we got we got to I don't know how we're going to make it. But guess what? You begin to look at your value and you say, "Okay, wait a minute. Let me stop tripping. Let me stop worrying about this because my God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He even owns the hill itself. So therefore, let me just relax and be obedient to the spirit of God who lives inside of me, who's going to lead me to the greener pastures that I need to be in. And that's a beautiful thing, man. I love it when God shows up. I mean, I, I don't know if y- y'all probably ain't never been in a situation, but but, you know, he's like, man, I don't know. how. And then you go to your mailbox. And it's like, man, where did this come from? Unexpected check. God did that. Man, ain't do that. God, God did that. Or you walk in and somebody shake your hand and then you feel something going on in a handshake and you just put it in your pocket. You don't worry about it. You get home and then you worry about what you're going to do. And you pull that. You pull that. I just look, oh, man, this is more than enough than what we need. God did that. Ain't no iron doing that. God did that. Somebody say God did that. Amen. God did that. And that's what God. Watch this now. He's wanting to create that environment in his kingdom citizens. Amen. It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. See, when you're valuable and you understand that your valuableness comes from him. Amen. It's easy to let go of what's in your hands so that you can bless others. Somebody need to try that today. Somebody been holding on too long to that $10 bill that you ain't going to do nothing but go to McDonald's with. Go ahead and let it go. Get it into the kingdom so that it can bring back a 30, 60 fold return. Let me help you out with that further because somebody's saying, "Okay, I need some more understanding. All right. Remember in Luke chapter eight, when we we get the the parable of the seed and the sower. And Jesus, he talks about the four different kinds of seed. And he talks about how one fell by the wayside and the birds of the air came and devoured it up. He talks about one that fell among thorns and the thorns uh, basically choked the seed. Well, in his translation of Luke chapter eight, verse 14, I love this. He says the seed which fell among the thorns. Watch this. These are the ones who have heard. And as they go on their way, they are choked with the worries and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to maturity. Are y'all understanding that? So what's the word? We know the word is the word of God. Right now, what's going on in this place is the word of God is going forth and prayerfully is falling on good ground. And as that seed begins to germinate, as that seed begins to grow, what's going to happen? I'm telling you what's going to happen right when you leave, right when we get a benediction, right when you step out of here, there's going to be something to occur to try to take away that seed. Okay, telling you somebody said be positive. I am positive. All right. (laughs) Something 
uh, is going to try to come and take away that seed. Uh, and, and for some of us, it's the worries that we're going through right now. Somebody's so worried that the seed can't even begin to take root. Stop worrying. Cast your cares on him. Why? Because he cares for you. Amen. Give it to him. Somebody say, give it to him. Somebody say, make it personal. I'm going to give it to him. Stop worrying. What man can add one cubit to his stature through worry? Amen. What worrying about it going to do? Other than make your blood pressure go up. Stop worrying. All right. Uh, notice what it also says. That we're going to worry also the, uh, and riches and the pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to maturity. So these are things, three things that he mentions here. Worries, riches and pleasures of this life can come in and choke the seed that's being sown into your heart. So we got to we got to we got to be, um, if you will, we have to put a guard around our heart knowing that seed is going forth. There's nothing wrong with the seed. It's always the ground, the condition of the ground. What is the condition of your heart this morning as you're receiving the word of God? Did you come in expectation this morning? Amen. Uh, so, sometimes uh, people say, maybe not so much in this church, but I've heard it before. Oh, man, I ain't getting nothing out of that. Well, it wasn't for you to get something out of it. It was for you to, to maybe contribute to what God was doing in the midst of the, of the saints. All right. So we can't allow the worries, the concerns or the riches of this world to, to, to stifle the growth of the seed that is in our heart. Somebody stop worrying right now and you're going to be just fine in the name of Jesus. You're going to be fine just in the name of Jesus. But notice what he says. He, he's given us this parable. And, and then, then then he says in verse 20, he says, but God said to him, you fool. Call him a fool, y'all. He said this very night, your soul. Your soul is required of you. And now who will own what you have prepared? We don't know. You don't know. We don't know. How many more days we have left here on the earth? Y'all think about that sometimes. It's like, man, I don't, I don't know. It's appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment, according to the scriptures. How many times we die? Yeah, once to die. What what, what happens when? When, 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 when we die, okay, you're a three-part being. You are a spirit. You have a soul, and you live in a body. Many people think we're a body, spirit, and soul, but no, you're spirit, soul, body. Somebody say that with me. Spirit, soul, body. One more time. Spirit, soul, body, all right? So, so your spirit, according to uh, the writer of Ecclesiastes, when you die, your spirit goes back to who gave it to you. That's what the Bible tells us. It, it goes back to who gave it to us. Your body, uh, oftentimes in funerals, what we see is a representation of the body. There's no soul or spirit in that body. Are y'all understanding what I'm saying? All right. The body, guess what it does? It returns back to the earth and it becomes dust okay so it served its purpose is it, 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 uh, the body the bible tells us uh while we're living here it's the temple of the holy spirit 
This is what Paul was teaching the Corinthians because the Corinthians, watch this now, they use their bodies uh, for sexual pleasure. And Paul had to correct that. He says, look, number one, you need to be married if you're doing sexual things. But 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 more importantly, your body is not to be used for that. Why? Because inside your body as a believer resides the value of God's spirit. The, the Holy Spirit lives inside of our bodies. Don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? That's how he says it. OK. But in our, and, and, and when, when we're dead and, and, and our spirit and, and, and soul go back to the one who created us. There we are. So what we're looking at is just the representation of the vessel that God used in the days that that body was in the earth. Now here's the beautiful thing, and this is where our value comes in. Because even though that story is over in the earth, it continues for an eternity, let me say this, in heaven or in hell. Okay? All right? Um, what's the difference? The difference is what type of spirit resided in that body before it ended here in the earth. And that's where we are right now. All of us, I like to say, we're in the dash. God's grace is allowing us to live another day. It's nothing but, it's nothing but the grace of God while we're alive today. All the mistakes and, and the decisions we have made, man, if we were in the Old Testament, we'd have been gone a long time ago. But thank God for Jesus and thank God for his grace, which allows us to continue to live in the dash. Somebody say in the dash. The beautiful thing about when the trumpet sounds for the last time on this side. Uh, 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 the Bible tells us the Thessalonian writer, Apostle Paul, he says, you know what's going to happen? He says, the dead in Christ. Shall what? When? First. So you got to get in line if you're still alive, right? <laughs> you want to be caught up with everybody else, but it's the dead in Christ and the, the spirit and the soul are going to join together and meet him in the air. And the Bible says, I love this. He says, and they will forever be with the Lord. That's valuable, man. That's valuable that he's going to come back and he's going to receive us unto himself. And guess how long we're going to live? Forever. Can y'all, that's valuable, man. In other words, there's no expiration date on our souls. That's valuable. No expiration date on our souls. So this was, this is what Jesus was trying to point out because this man was basically selling his soul for bigger barns. He said, no, I'm, I'm going to tear down what I have. I'm not going to help anybody out. He got pe people down the street that need help. He said, I'm not going to help them out. I'm not going to build them a barn. I'm going to tear mine down so that I can build more barns. OK. Covetousness. Let me finish this up. So three reasons why uh, it is a foolish transaction. Why was this transaction foolish for this man who basically traded his soul for bigger barns? Number one, watch this. Nobody has ever gained the whole world. Do y'all know that? All the conquerors in the world, uh, Alexander the Great. Uh, we, we study all these people in history. Their their objective was world domination and they never achieved it. Never achieved it. Name me somebody that has conquered the world. Nobody has done it. Somebody said, what about Hitler? Hitler didn't conquer the world. Amen. He didn't, he didn't conquer the world. Um, what, what about biblically speaking? Because um, the, the, the world, people try to, to sell other people out to accumulate and acquire other things. 
When I think about this, I think about Judas, one of the disciples who walked with Jesus, who sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. That's what he did. He sold. He, in other words, uh, he, he, his soul was for sale. And he sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. Go with, quickly. Watch this. Now go to Matthew 26. Watch this. I'm going to show you this. This is this is incredible. Um, Matthew 26, verse 14, because Judas was looking for a quick sale. So you got to be careful who's in your circle. It might be a Judas right there in your circle. And you don't even know it. OK, even the disciples didn't know that Judas was doing what he was doing. That's incredible. They walked with them, ate with them, they, you know, all these things. And they didn't even know Ju- Judas was was capable of doing what he was doing. Watch this now. I'm talking about selling your soul. This is this is low. Then one of the twelve named Judas Iscariot went to the chief priests. Okay, watch this and said, what are you willing to give me to betray him? This is Judas now. To you. And they weighed out 30 pieces of silver to him. For from then on, he began looking for a good opportunity to what? Man, he sold out. He was for sale. He says, man, just give me 30 pieces of silver and I'll sell out even the Lord to you. I've read this scripture several times. And I said, man, what, what happened to the 30 pieces of silver? You ever think about that? I said, what 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 happened in that transaction? Because that was a that was a that was a wrong transaction, man. You sold out the Lord. Well, the best interpreted scripture is scripture itself. Flip over to 27. Watch this. Watch this. Judas sold the Lord out for 30 pieces of silver. Now watch this in Matthew 27. So you remember uh, they went to the Garden of Gethsemane. He asked his uh, three closest friends to pray with him, uh, Peter, James and John. And they couldn't pray with him. But yet one hour. And uh, lo and behold, as he looks up, here comes Judas, along with these religious leaders. He's about to sell them out. Has anybody ever been sold out in here before? You know what it feels like to be sold out when somebody you thought was with you. And they exchanged uh, the relationship that you all had for something that was menial. Okay, there have been many fallouts, y'all, even in families and friends amongst stuff that shouldn't even be we, we shouldn't even fall out about. Am I right about that? Some people ain't talked in 12 years because of something that was ridiculous. Let me keep it moving. Watch this. Verse one. Now, when morning came, all the chief priests and the elders and the people conferred together against Judas, uh, Jesus, rather, forgive me, against Jesus to put him to death. And they bound him and led him away and delivered him to Pilate, the governor. So now Judas has kissed Jesus on the cheek. He's put him in the hands of the people. And now they're getting ready to prepare him for for trial, crucifixion, so forth and so on. Verse three says, then when Judas, watch this, what happened? Who had betrayed him, saw that he had been condemned. He felt remorse. And return the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders. So he was condemned. He was guilty. 
He says, look, I'm going to return this back to you because I recognize that I made a mistake. Saying, I have sinned by betraying, verse 4, innocent blood. But they said, what is that to us? They said, we, in other words, we got who we want. You want to handle that with somebody else. We, we, we were able to get you to sell out and we got what we want. So you don't have to handle that 30, that transaction, whatever you want to do with it. You have to do it yourself. And he threw the pieces of silver into the temple sanctuary and departed and went away and hanged himself. So much grief. That's what that's what guilt does to you, man. When you're under the condemnation of guilt, it will cause you to want to even in your own life. But you don't have to do that. And he threw the pieces of silver. Verse six, the chief priest took the pieces of silver and said, it is not lawful to put them into the temple treasury. Since it is the price of blood, he said, in other words, uh-uh, you're getting this out of this temple. This, 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 ain't, this ain't good seed right here. We're going to get this treasury out. And notice this. And they conferred together and with the money bought the potter's field as a burial place for strangers. For this reason, that field has been called the field of blood to this day. Then that which was spoken through Jeremiah, the prophet was fulfilled. Notice what's being fulfilled here. You can find this in Zechariah chapter 11. And they took the 30 pieces of silver, the price of the one whose price had been set by the sons of Israel, and they gave them for the potter's field as the Lord directed me. That was a prophecy spoken several hundred years before that was fulfilled in what we just read. Are y'all hearing me what I'm saying? You, in other words, man, when you sell out, you, you, you can have a legacy in the Bible for what you sold out for. What kind of legacy are you leaving for your generations to come? Amen. Are, are they going to remember what you used to be or who you are now and who you are becoming? Very important. Let me give you three more things and I'm done. So here are the three reasons why it is foolish, a foolish transaction. Number one, nobody ever grant, nobody ever gained the whole world. Judas didn't gain the whole world because he sold out the Lord. Uh, you cannot keep, number two, you cannot keep what you have gained forever. You know that? You cannot keep what you have gained forever. Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, y'all know it, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is for certain that we can carry nothing out. Amen. Godliness with contentment is what? Great gain. Man, when, I'm, when I have godliness, God-likeness, and I can learn to be content in all things, man, we know how to be a base. We know how to be a bound. You, can, you cannot keep what you have gained forever. Amen. You cannot keep what you have gained forever. Why? Because somebody says, well, I got something that I've been holding on to since I was a child. Okay. Keep hanging on to it. But there's an expiration date from you being the owner of that or really the steward of that. All right. I can't see nobody else in my. Well, just keep just hang on. All right. And then lastly, the world will never satisfy you. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world but to lose his soul? Man, you can gain. Think about that. And the world, it, it dresses itself up, man. That world, the word cosmos, it means to make up. It makes itself up where it becomes alluring. 
And we see these commercials and we're just like, man, oh, I got to have that. I got to have that. And God's not opposed to you having things. But if you're going to um, buy that new house and spend more time in that house than you do in, in the house of God, then maybe that house wasn't a good investment for you. Or if you're going to get that new car and blow and blow by people who need a ride to church that you know. The bus ministry will get them. No, you get them. You live right next door to them. If you lose your soul, it is an irreversible loss. You can't go back and redo. There's no redo button as it relates to losing your soul. If you lose your soul, it is an immeasurable loss. You cannot replace things. You, you can replace things, but you can never replace your soul. I can replace a car. I can replace a house, but I can never replace my soul. And if you lose your soul, it's an inexcusable loss. Inexcusable loss. People make excuses. I'm learning this by raising our kids. They make excuses. How did the garage door break? Dad, it was it, it didn't come with some kind of miraculous excuse. What happened to the cookies? Dad, some type of miraculous excuse. But I noticed that even in adults, man, we can make some, some good excuses. Why didn't you go to church today? Well, it was raining outside. You got an umbrella? Excuse. We can make some good excuses, right? But one excuse you're not going to be able to account for is the excuse of what's required for your soul. Lord, they, they made me do it. It was the pressure of the world that I gave into. God said, that, that's, that's not an excuse. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world but to lose his soul? There's nothing more valuable than your soul, people. Don't, don't, don't be a sellout. Look at your neighbor and say, don't be a sellout. Amen. Don't be a sellout. Too valuable, man. You're too valuable. Me and you are valuable. We're still alive. Think about that for a minute. Some of us could have been dead and gone by the things that happened to us. But God has valued us. And now he wants to use us in, 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 in levels that we never imagined. Eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, nor have entered into the hearts of men the things that God desires to do through us. Amen. For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you. Watch this. To, to give you hope. And one version says to give you an expected end. Do you know where you're going, people of God? Well, that can be solved today. Amen. By surrendering your life to the greatest man we know, the God man, Jesus Christ. Surrender your life to him. And, your, and the, the promise of your surrender to him is eternal life. No time for playing. We don't know what tomorrow holds. Thank God for this Thanksgiving, but man, thank, you know, think about the many Thanksgivings we've been through. That's what that's what I give thanks for. You know, anytime you have to fill out these surveys and they ask um, you to put your birthday in, and you got to scroll through all them years to get to your birthday. Every year I'm scrolling through. I'm like, praise Jesus, praise Jesus, praise Jesus. It's a reminder. That God's grace is sufficient. Man, we're valuable. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm valuable. I'm not going to let anybody sell me out. Amen. Amen. Love you. Thank God for you. Let's receive the closing prayer here. Father, we love you and we bless you.
We give you praise not only for what you do, but for who you are. And Lord, there may be some here today, whether they're here in person or online, who, who 